Hello everyone, welcome to the Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your fun and friendly host. We are on episode two of season two, the very best one yet. Shout out to my podcast team, Ambiguous Network, and fellow pods on there. Where to find more about the network? Head over to ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. If you're interested in joining the network, reach out to Will Tereshuk and his team. If you're a new Daily Grinder, listen to our pod, or have been grinding with us since season one, feel free to check out our journey so far and share your feedback with us. Get us on the map, help us grow, share this episode with a friend, and tag them on social. And give us a rating and quick review on Apple. Virtual high five to you in advance. Since the season started, we've been providing a fun fact to kick off our show, so we're going to add this to the pod going forward. Uh, Fast facts with hashtag KellyFast. So just before we go live with our special guest of the day, here's our fast fact about today's theme, networking business and the importance of relationships. So 85% of positions are filled through networking. 95% of professionals consider face-to-face communication vital for long-term business. And 38% of professionals find it difficult to maintain their business relationships. So that's just some fast facts to think about. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Joe Sweeney. Joe has been spent more than 35 years blending his love of business and passion for sports. He has owned, operated, and sold four manufacturing companies, headed up the Wisconsin Sports Authority, and launched a sports marketing firm. Joe purchased equity interest in an investment banking firm and served as president and managing director. He is now an accomplished author, internationally known speaker, and investor in private equity companies. He currently lives and works in the Milwaukee area. So welcome, Joe. Hey, thanks, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the Daily Grind today. I'm excited to to talk more about your story. And uh, yeah, so let's get this party started. Okay. Um, for those of you, Hold on, could you mix me that drink? Could you give me that <laughs> drink over there for starting the party? Yeah. <laughs> Hope you guys don't hear the shaker in the background. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Joe already. Um, Joe, can you tell our listeners more about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Okay, I just. Um, uh, I guess I try to keep this kind of short, but um, I think professionally, you said it. I've been really blessed to have an opportunity to combine my love of business with my passion of sports. And as you've just outlined, I've done a lot of different things. Um, you know, some people call that adult ADD, where you can't keep focused on one thing. But no, I've done a lot of different things, and I, I feel really blessed to um, led an incredibly blessed life and just so grateful for so many things. But I think that, that might give your listeners a little background. I grew up in Madison and, um, you know, and it kind of goes into your uh, daily grind, your Wilson sports um, background, but I grew up in pretty much a sports family. Uh, when my parents um, got married, they want, set out, they wanted to have a baby girl and name her Mary. But my parents were the most persistent people in Wisconsin. They ended up popping out nine straight boys. So I'm the number ninth son. I have eight older brothers. I always joke, Kelly, and there's some truth to all humor. If there's ever a reason for someone to have uh, a lot of adult therapy, try being the number ninth son in your family. 
Kelly, I don't feel good unless I get the crap kicked out of me the first two hours of, of the day. So I grew up, and you know, it's funny, uh, um, I know you're with Wilson and you've got, had a sports career too, but I've really professionally, um, I say I've been able to combine my love of business with my passion of sports, but I've really gone between the sports world and the business world mm -hmm. um, really for the last 35 years. In graduate school at Notre Dame, I worked in the, in the um, uh, athletic office. I did their sports marketing and promotion as mm -hmm. a graduate student. And I thought at that time I'd go into college administration. I had a chance to buy a company here in the Milwaukee area and buy into it, and I did it. And then I remember I moved here and it was snowing pretty hard and people keep asking me how long am I gonna stay in Milwaukee? And I said, I'll just stay here until the weather clears and 35 years later, I'm still here. So <laughs> no, it's a great place to, uh, to live, work and play. So mm -hmm. that's kind of a, a quick overview, but mm -hmm. I'm kind of a sports business guy and Mm -hmm. um, I've had a lot of transitions. I've done a lot of, um, people say as you get older, you got to reinvent yourself. I've probably do done it a, a dozen times. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so anyhow, that's kind of a, a quick overview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really well said, Joe. Uh, great background. True daily grinder out there in the world. Uh, you listeners, if you want to research him, if you haven't already, uh, check into what he's all accomplished throughout the years. We're excited to hear more to come and more, more about his story. Um, but yeah, tying back to you have a background in sports, networking, business, so much, so much to cover and so much and so little time. But how has sports influenced you through your life, both um, in a, as a career and personal? Well, that, that's kind of interesting. As I said, I grew up in a uh, large Irish Catholic family. Mm -hmm. um, we all played athletics in our family and I had uh, numerous cousins. I think my grandma Sweeney had 45 grandchildren. Um, my dad was one of six kids and everyone had 10, nine or eight kids it seemed in, mm -hmm. in my, um, my uncles and their family. So a uh, big Madison family, um, but we all played sports. So I really, from the age of two, I started playing sports and uh, my, my main sport in high school was basketball and played a little bit in college. Mm -hmm. um, and I, when you get older and you talk about your young uh, athletic accomplishments, I always wonder about people when they're in their 50s and 60s, they tell you how great they were when they were 17. So, <laughs> But I've, I've always played sports. I've always kind of been a sports nut. Mm -hmm. But I think the key thing of growing up with sports is really the lessons it teaches you. Mm -hmm. Discipline, um, you know, you show up every day. And I think one of the things as I've gotten older, one of the themes I've really tried to um, work on is how do people grow old gracefully? And I kind of joke a lot about broken down old jocks. How, you know, many times I've seen athletes be in great shape, they get hurt, and then as they get older, they just let themselves fall apart. I think one of the things about uh, athletics that I liked. I loved working out and I've been able to continue that my whole life. I will mm -hmm. try to work out every day mm -hmm. and it just gives me an energy, it gives me a sense of discipline. I try to do it every morning when I get up and mm -hmm. no matter what happens during the day, there's no, as long as I know I can work out for an hour, mm -hmm. um, I find one thing that I call my ideal day and part of my ideal day is to exercise. Mm -hmm. And so we'll get into that a little bit about we talk about our daily grind. Mm -hmm. I like it, Joe. Very fitting and a uh, true daily grinder out there. Like we said before, discipline, such a key word uh, in today's age. Um, my, uh, myself, I actually 
again, work out as well every day, stress reliever. It's good to find that, you know, balance of both like living a healthy lifestyle as well as, you know, balancing the rest, what's on your schedule, what, you, what you're working on, things of that. And uh, again, you touched on it uh, with your sports background and family background in general, just uh, playing an individual sport or even a team sport, you learn different life lessons that are applicable to in a business setting and all over the place including networking. So um, I guess moving along, how have you set yourself apart from others uh, in that in that realm and building your own brand? Yeah, you know, that's two, two, it's kind of two different questions, but you know, how do you set yourself apart? You know, I don't think I ever focused on that. Mm -hmm. I think when people um, look at people's lives or whatever and reflect on that, they'll say, well, how did you set, set yourself apart? And if you've ever studied people, and I'm a human behavior junkie, that's my number one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I love st studying and trying to figure out what makes people tick. But when you reflect on people's lives, the people who have really set themselves apart weren't even aware of it. The people who have really set themselves apart have really been true to themselves, and they haven't tried to pretend to be somebody else. And, you know, like it or like me or hate me, I've always tried to be myself, I've tried to be open, I've tried to be real, and you know, I've never been one that's had this herd mentality. Mm -hmm. I've never been, there's a book that's out called Excellent Sheep, it's about people who follow the pack. I've never been an excellent sheep, and for whatever reason, I'm, I just haven't been. But in, you know, you talk about setting yourself apart and building your own brand, it's kind of like, um, building your brand is kind of like leaving a legacy. And I think a lot of us focus so hard on building our brand, leaving our legacy. I wrote in the th uh, my third book, after further review, I have a chapter on leaving your legacy and going on your journey. And the way you leave a legacy in life, Kelly, mm -hmm. is by living a legacy every day. And I think so many people are so focused on how do I build my brand? How do I leave a legacy? And I tell the story in my third book. I, um, three summers ago, I went to Detroit, lived on the street as a homeless person for a while, mm -hmm. and a paranoid schizophrenic homeless person, the last day in Detroit, told me, Sweeney, if you want to leave a legacy, he thought I was homeless from Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he said, if you want to leave a legacy, you got to learn to live a legacy. And I said, Alex, what does that mean? He said, every day when you meet someone, you've got to have them leave you feeling a little bit better in your life. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is from a homeless person in Detroit. Mm -hmm. It was the greatest lesson I learned out of that whole um, Detroit experience. So when you say building your brand, um, uh, setting yourself apart from others, to me the best way is, is to be you. Mm -hmm. I've tried being other people, I'm just not very good at it. Mm -hmm. So I think as, as you get older, you get more comfortable in your skin, and I think I've just tried to be me. And when you're yourself, some people don't like you. And you know, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I just reread a book um, that I read in the 80s. It's called What Other People Think of Me is None of My Business. Meaning as you get older, I think, how many times, Kelly, do you sit there and say, boy, I'd like to do this, but I wonder what my aunt's gonna think. I wonder what my mom's gonna think. I wonder what my boyfriend's gonna think. So we, a lot of us, I find, li live our lives not really being true to ourselves, but living uh, it based on how we think other people will, will, will think of me. Mm -hmm. And in this last book I just wrote, um, A Light Shines Through Us, I say the three greatest lies in life mm -hmm. 
that we really don't talk about this at the cocktail parties is I am what I have, I am what I do, and I am what other people think of me. Mm -hmm. Those are three of the greatest lies. And listen, I can talk about it because I've lived all three. You know, but think about this. So if you are what you do, what happens if you get laid off from Wilson, Kelly, if you have that mindset? Or what happens if you retire? By that definition, you're a nobody. That's not true. What happens if you have a big house and have a lot of money and the market goes to hell? You lose your house, you lose your money. By that definition, you're a nobody. I just think those are three really big mm -hmm. lies. So I hope I, I kind of answered, I kind of went down a rabbit hole on that, setting yourself apart and building your brand. But I think that's, those are the, I don't think, I, I don't ever think about it. Mm -hmm. No, I really. I talk to my marketing company about that because <laughs> they've got a whole different, they have a whole different. <laughs> really, really well said. Lots of, lots of thoughts, lots of great key takeaways. Um, just want to take a couple, couple of pauses right here for our listeners to think about that. But really well said, leaving a legacy, you know, thinking about, holding true to yourself, you know, be you. That's simple as it is, but you know, what Joe just went through on, you know, have, having that mindset of setting yourself apart from others and building that brand, brand from a marketing perspective, it's it's more than that. And you need to understand it on a daily basis. Do do what you're passionate about and what you want to, to leave that legacy or how you want to be known um for your own personality or uh, things like that we're very goal dri driven on this podcast so i think joe hit it really well Lot, lots lots to take in so uh yeah speaking of some of some of your really well-known author new york times best-selling lots lots of key uh i could list list could go on and on um but with your how did you come up with networking as a contact sport and other mantras uh, um well, first of all, you, you keep saying I'm an author, I'm an author, <laughs> I, I, or, or I'm a, a writer, wrote, mm -hmm. wrote books. I'm really not a great writer, um, but that's why God created ghostwriters to help you. But um, <laughs> um, there are really, really actually two things, and I've, I've really studied this. There are writers and there are authors. Mm -hmm. A writer goes to their sacred writing space every day and writes for five or six hours. As I mentioned, I have a little bit of adult ADD. I couldn't sit for five or six hours. I have a hard time sitting through a 30-minute meeting unless it's really exciting and stimulating. But uh, an author is someone who has an idea that they want to communicate. Mm -hmm. Now, many times an author and a writer are the same, same person. Mm -hmm. person that comes to mind to me, one of the greatest authors and writers is Wayne Dyer. He's written 42 books. He's really good. A psychologist, he's really, really good. But I'm more of an author. And I'm... Um, uh, about 10 years ago, I kind of sat down and kind of made some um, uh, made some inventory or did some inventory of my life, and, and I really wanted to communicate a message to my kids about what I thought life was about. And I was talking to um, some of my buddies, and they said, what have you done? And again, I'm not a writer. So what I did was um, I broke my life down into 10 different sections in 10 different phases and it was what I did why I did it and what I learned from it and it wasn't going to be a book um, it was just going to be kind of like a little white paper and I'd leave my kids when I when I died um, and when I went out with some of my buddies it was actually a, a friend in Chicago Mark Pacini who ran a large advertising agency foot cold and belding who was a marketing genius he said what's the basic message of, that you want to communicate to your kids and it was that um, 
I've done a lot of different things, but the one common element of everything I've done was about networking and connection. And he said, well, what's the biggest takeaway of that? That's why I asked you before the biggest take, what was your mm -hmm. biggest takeaway from the book? Yeah. But the mm -hmm. biggest takeaway that I learned through everything is that networking, business, and life are places we go to give and serve and not get. And the biggest misnomer about networking is people say, networking is where you get something. I gotta go to that um, trade show for Wilson because I gotta get 10 business cards. I gotta, I gotta get a new uh, sponsor for my tennis ball. Mm -hmm. I gotta sell more rackets. I gotta get, I gotta get, I gotta get. And I know we're all trained like that. Versus how can I go and understand the needs and the wants of our potential customers? Mm -hmm. and, and, and in fact, you mentioned I wrote the book, Networking is a Contact Sport. Mm -hmm. I'll let you in on a little secret, Kelly. I hate networking. I hate what it's about. I hate what it stands for. Because think about it, when most people hear the word networking, they think of an alpha male at a cocktail party chasing you down with their business card. Mm -hmm. yeah, In fact, I think the book worked because the book communicated it was the complete opposite. Networking's where you go help and serve other people. And we were talking before this um, mm -hmm. interview mm -hmm. that what people really need to do during this coronavirus is this, you might not be able to sell a lot of rackets or tennis balls, but I'm, I've got a, a whole talk that we put together called Connection in Crisis. And the greatest thing you can do right now is to help other people. And here's, here's what I know, is that people, um, even though um, they, you may not, or I, I may not buy tennis rackets and balls for you today, mm -hmm. if I'm struggling, and uh, Kelly Johnson reaches out, KJ calls me and says, Joe, what can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. Here's what I know. When you, go, you have rough points in life, you never forget the people that kicked you in the back while you were down, but more importantly, you never forget the people who helped you when you're down. Mm -hmm. So when people are panicking, oh my God, I don't have sales, I think you have to have a little mindset shift and say, how can I help people right now? Because if I, um, I love the term, dig your well before you're thirsty. Mm -hmm. That's basically what you're doing. And I think the, um, the quote that really gets me on this is Maya Angelou. She says that people will, will never, for, will, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you do, people will never forget the way you make them feel. I th to me, that's brilliant. So as you go through this COVID, as a lot of these people are, a lot of, a lot of us are panicking, businesses are, are shut down, mm -hmm. and it's all justifiable. This is, we've never seen anything quite like this in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. I think the real challenge for us and the opportunity is how can we help our prospects, our customers, our friends, and our family when they're down? So this is a way, I think, to really build relationship inventory um, and equity in relationships. So, um, and so anyhow, I just, again, I sort of digressed. Oh, well, this is great, yeah. <laughs> but, and so, um, so when, when I started putting this book together, um, the lesson of the, the basic takeaways, networking's a place we go to give and serve and help others and not get. And so I tried to cover a lot of different aspects of this whole thing of networking. But the book isn't really about networking. It's about connection. And I use the word networking as sort of a um, um, kind of an example for connection. And I think all three, or all three, all four of my books have the same theme of connection. And Kelly, quite honestly, I think it's the number one thing all of us want in life. Mm 
We want to connect deeper to ourselves, connect deeper and better with other people, and connect with a power greater than us. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not the stuff we talk about at the cocktail parties. Mm-hmm. What do we say? Kelly, did you get that new Beamer, yeah. that new BMW? I just got a 5 Series. Oh, did you get the 7 Series? Or <laughs> did you just get the 3 Series? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't talk about a lot of these mm-hmm. things. And we mask it with a lot of other things. But after people have two, three, four, five drinks at parties, a lot of times they'll open up. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you they're lonely, they want to connect. I just read a study that over 50% of Americans, this is before COVID, mm-hmm. um, have prolonged feelings of aloneness and loneliness. Think about that. And you look at alcoholism, drug abuse, you look at all the things we do mm-hmm. to try to connect. Um, I have a friend in uh, Phoenix. I love this guy. Joe Polish is his name. He's a famous speaker, and, but he's a reformed heroin addict. And he talks about how to recover. He's a recovery expert. He's phenomenal. And he has said that the opposite of of addiction is connection. And think about that. The opposite of addiction Mm -hmm. is connection. If you know anyone who's addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, they're all trying to get this connection in some form. Mm -hmm. So, um, So the networking book is really a book about connection. And it's basically a business book, and I've take, kind of taken the progression of my books to business, to sports, to psychology, uh, moving the mm-hmm. needle. And mm-hmm. the last book, A Light Shines Through Us, is really centered mm-hmm. on a um, spirituality and a relationship with a 95-year-old Franciscan mm-hmm. nun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we dive into Joe's latest book, A Light Shines Through Us, um, you mentioned you. we want to clarify you are an author. Um, how did you become interested in becoming an author? Uh, well, that, that's a funny thing. I, I was never interested in becoming an, <laughs> off, an author. Going back to that mm-hmm. um, dinner with my friends 10 mm-hmm. years ago when um, Mr. Puccini from Chicago says, well, Joe, that's great. Instead of doing it for your kids, why don't you write a book? I'm thinking, I can't write a book. I'm a bullet point guy. And, and he said, um, well, then you're going to have to you know, figure that out. Switching to the fourth book, when I went to my friend Sister Camille 10 years ago, she said, well, why don't we work to find you a ghostwriter? And here's what a ghostwriter does, Kelly. Mm -hmm. An author brings a lot of ideas. I call it clay. Mm -hmm. And what a good ghostwriter will do will help you you formulate the clay and mold the clay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have a thousand ideas going through, and I found a really good ghostwriter, Mike Yorkie, and... um, San Diego, met him by happenstance, and mm-hmm. or I should say synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really helped me formulate the ideas. And we really did it for business. And, but the basic theme of the book is really derived from the prayer of St. Francis. It's in giving that we receive. But I didn't talk about that because people don't buy business books and want to hear lessons from a saint. <laughs> what they want is, how do I sell more? How can I get mm, better at yep. it? Mm-hmm. So I really, um, I don't want to say I toned it down. I wrote it for the business <coughs> the business world. And plus, people like Wilson wouldn't hire me and pay me a lot of money to talk about mm-hmm. what a saint said. Mm-hmm. But if I can teach your salespeople how to connect better, how to sell better, how mm-hmm. to create a long-term annuity with our clients and customers, mm-hmm. people will way overpay me for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about that connection. Right. Mm-hmm. 
really well said um and again you're sharing your story not just through not just through being an author but through your own networking course speaking and coaching can you tell us more yeah um well what happened is um speaking i've loved going out and speaking in fact don't tell any of your people at wilson this but i do it for nothing i love it so much (laughs) but um, uh, but the, the speaking thing when i started it um, and I was an investment banker at the same time, and I'd do mm. an investment banking deal, and it'd be tons of fights and negotiations, and I don't like conflict a whole lot, and the investment banking world I found was filled with a lot of conflicts. Mm-hmm. And then, Kelly, I'd go give a talk, and I'd get back to my desk, and I'd have 17 emails that said, that was awesome. You changed my life. And as I kept speaking, the 17 went to 20, went to 50, went to 80, and I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm on the wrong path. And so about three years ago, I quit my job running an investment banking, banking firm, mm-hmm. and I did this full time. But after I would speak, a lot of people would say, do you have more? You asked about the online programs. Mm-hmm. So I worked with a marketing company. We put together several online training programs for mm-hmm. um, networking, for moving the needle, on all sorts of topics that I thought would help people in their professional and personal lives. Mm-hmm. But quite honestly, I mean, I know a lot of authors and speakers do that. What I love the most is going to an event, connecting with people, mm-hmm. talking to them. Um, and I kind of joke, and it's partially true, it's tough to make a living some days when you're talking about networking as a contact sport in an age mm-hmm. of social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really interesting, uh, Joe, just uh, wh- what's going on in the world today and just... But you're again, you're sharing your story through multiple mediums. And I think that's really important to because a lot of our daily grinders out there, they connect not just with our podcast, but outside in their own um, daily life in work or outside of work or if they volunteer or if they um, have a separate job or with their family um, doing sports, playing sports, working out, things like that. Um, but yeah, fast forward, fast forward today. Um, you again, just, just release again. We have perfect timing on this podcast, to be honest, when we, when we bring special guests on and they're, they got some latest thing, latest and greatest and something that we can obviously share with our group and expand our audience and expand theirs as well. So your latest book, a A light shines through us. So, um, can you tell our listeners more about it? Well, this is, um, how do I say this in the right way, Kelly? This is my sort of coming out of the closet book. Um, (laughs) uh, um, I've been really blessed to have a 32-year deep, meaningful relationship with a woman here in Milwaukee. She is a um, Franciscan nun, Sister Camille Kleban. She was a president for decades at Cardinal Stritch University. Mm -hmm. And through the years, she became a good friend, a great friend, my best friend. And uh, people use this term a lot, but I'd have to be careful. And she really became a soulmate. She was a mentor, a guide. um, And she was really, really a special person. I define her as a modern-day saint. And I say she's the closest thing to Mother Teresa you'll ever meet, with one exception. Unlike Mother Teresa, Sister Camille drank very large gin martinis. Two (laughs) olives. Oh, wow. And um, (laughs) and so... um, she retired about six or seven years ago, moved to a convent down in, of all places, St. Francis, Wisconsin. She was a Franciscan, St. Francis nun. Mm-hmm. And literally for five or six years, almost every week I'd go there and have dinner with her. We would usually uh, get there, we'd go to mass together, we'd have dinner, and I'd always bring at least a case, sometimes two cases of wine, 
and I'd have dinner and have 64 nuns drink wine. And uh, we created a great bonding experience. And she transitioned about a year and a half ago. And during her funeral, the, the whole thing, Tuesdays with Maury, it was a book written about 25 years ago mm-hmm. about a young man, an old man, and life's lessons. And it was Mitch Albom, <coughs> excuse mm-hmm. me, sharing the story with his college professor. Mm-hmm. And at her funeral, I kept thinking about Tuesdays with Maury, and I kept thinking, nah, I couldn't do this. And I was literally talking to Sister Camille. And she said, if you do something like this, you better keep some of our um, crazy stories out of there, because I had tons of fun experiences with her that no one would believe that mm-hmm. a nun would be doing these things. Um, and so I started thinking about it, put together notes, and um, just published last month a book called and it, the, the cover or the name of the book really exemplified Sister Camille's life. Mm-hmm. A light shines through us. And I like what you said, Kelly, about good timing. Um, because I've been saying for the last few months, the world needs two things. It needs a, uh, we need clarity on what this COVID thing is. Mm-hmm. And second and more importantly, I think at this critical time, all of us need a message that a light can shine through us, even in some of these dark days. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tried to uh, model a little bit the Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, their subtitle was a young man and an old man in um, uh, the meaning of life or life's greatest meanings. So this book we called A Light Shines Through Us, A Nun, A Businessman, and The Power of Connection. And we really emphasize those things we talked about earlier, connecting deeper with ourselves Sister Camille really helped me do that, and I wanted to share that with people. Mm -hmm. How do we connect deeper and better with each other? And more importantly, how do we connect to this thing that people call God or divine energy or a higher power? It doesn't matter what the words are, but Sister Camille really epitomized that in her life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I shared a lot of things that went on inside me for 32 years that I didn't share with anyone, things I've read, things I've explored, Mm -hmm. and... um, so I, that's why I call it sort of my coming out of my closet uh, mm-hmm. book. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really intriguing. I'm glad to pick up a copy. You listeners out there, it's available now. You can order multiple different mediums. We'll put um, where to find the book and everything in today's show notes, as always. Excited, excited to further read and uh, further connect. Again, a key word, I think, in today's episode and in everyday life in your own daily grind. So it connects, again, it connects with your other books as well, you know, telling the overall story, not just through networking business, but farther reach as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's really great. You, Joe, you've made a significant impact in the state of Wisconsin throughout uh, the U.S. in sports and business um 2020 we see sports some of our sports are being postponed others are finally now back this time of year uh, we're starting to get nba up and running as well as sport of tennis talked a lot of tennis on here obviously how do you think that uh sports has influenced this year or this year has influencing sports yeah or you mean the COVID? how that? Yeah, yeah yeah you know that's that's really interesting that's that's probably a whole uh show or several shows I usually try not to get into this stuff unless uh, I ask people, do you have seven hours and seven beers? And we can go through it. Most people say, I've got seven beers, but I don't have seven hours. But I think if you look at the COVID um, thing, and as it relates to sports, you look at all you know, um, high school, college, pro, I really feel sorry for um, high school kids coming up on their senior year. Mm-hmm. You know, I was working with a, a team here, working with all the players. They won the state last year in Nicolet. I was starting to work with them again 
for a back-to-back -back state championship. I was meeting with the team. We had the team at our house for dinner, mm -hmm. prepared for the playoffs, and it stopped. Mm -hmm. And so many young athletes had their dreams kind of taken away, and they're gonna figure out how to reframe that. But I think anyone who's played sports, if you go back to your high school year, uh, my research on you, mm -hmm. Kelly, showed mm -hmm. that you're quite a, a tennis star at Waukesha South. Correct, yeah. You had a good serve, but your second serve was really good. That's what I heard. Did a little research on that. But can you imagine you had a great senior year? Mm -hmm. They said, Kelly, wipe that out. That's gone. And think of the lessons you learned your junior and senior year at Waukesha South. Mm -hmm. And you played um tennis at Wisconsin, the club team. Mm -hmm. You enjoyed that experience. What if we said, hey, you can't go down to the Nielsen Tennis Stadium mm -hmm. because of social distancing. You can't do it. You said, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. If you look at the college, the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, you, you talk to uh, broken down old college athletes, they'll say some of the greatest years and experiences and learning lessons of their life happened. Mm -hmm. That's been gone. You look at the professional level, I kind of feel sorry for Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. We had an, a great opportunity to come out of our inferiority complex this year, perhaps win the NBA championship, mm -hmm. host the Democratic National Convention, mm -hmm. have whistling straights, mm -hmm. all in like six weeks. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, maybe longer, maybe 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. That's gone. I just read today they're delaying the uh, 2020 Ryder Cup and whistling straights to next year. Don't know what the heck's going to happen with the basketball season. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to go to Florida, but, you know, it's a whole different world if you got the NBA championships here in Milwaukee and the Democratic Convention. I don't care where you are mm -hmm. politically. It's a great That's thing for Milwaukee. Big event. Big mm -hmm. event. That's all gone. So I think it's had a, a huge impact in sports, mm -hmm. in community, and I think everything. You look at education. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, know you, you went to Madison, you went mm -hmm. to Waukesha South. Can you imagine, say, you can't go meet with your friends, but you can Zoom talk to them. I just think there's a whole, and, and what concerns me is this um, isolation. And people say, oh, we can still connect virtually. Mm -hmm. To me, it's not the same. And, and again, so I think, you know, we've seen things this year that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And again, it's changed the face of America, the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. the COVID thing. We had this back to back. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's really been a, a transition for all of us. But all generations, if you think about this, have gone through challenges. Um, I'm a World War II nut. I love studying World War II. I read about it all the time. And I think of the challenges that our country faced mm -hmm. in 1941. We get bombed by Pearl Harbor. We go through a four or five year, just excruciating war. Hundreds of millions of people have died through wars. You know, I think there's what, 60 or 70 million in World War II. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to downplay the COVID thing, but first of all, we haven't had as many deaths as people say. Mm -hmm. And most of the people that die are 70 or over. I mean, if you really look at the statistics and the numbers, and again, I will get in trouble for saying this, I think it's the greatest overreaction to mm -hmm. shut down commerce. You know, you know. I'm a good question for you, Kelly. Mm -hmm. You're 27, 28? 26. 26. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many people 30 and under in the state of Wisconsin has died from COVID? That would be zero. <laughs> so we should shut down schools. We should shut down commerce. Most of the people are... 70 80 and 90 mm -hmm. and if you're um, immune compromised then stay away i just don't think we should shut down the whole the whole thing mm -hmm. and do you realize today 
that in 35 out of 50 states, more people died from the flu in 2018 than from COVID. Mm -hmm. But yet we have to shut down the country because it could get worse. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of things could get worse. Mm -hmm. I'm off on a tangent now, mm -hmm. but I think the key thing is mm -hmm. every generation has challenges and ours has, has challenges too. Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, I don't think they're as big as our country in 1945 or 44. Can you imagine being a kid going on, on the beaches of Normandy at the age of 19? Mm -hmm. So... So anyhow, I think that was a that's, long answer okay. about lots, lots of challenges. I yeah. think, yeah, in summary, what Joe said, yeah, there's a lot of challenges and it's it comes in a lot of different forms, to be honest. And I think Joe touched on it earlier as well. I'm for I'm one of the fortunate people to have graduated um, from high school and college to not have to have my athletic career affected uh, playing sports at, while studying for education. I, I do think it again connects into your statistic earlier in our podcast in regards to uh, the addiction and connection, 50% of people uh, with depression or um, some other, yeah, loneliness. In this, unfortunately with the COVID going on, this could possibly increase, it probably, it has significantly increased that percentage um, for the unfortunate. So we're hoping to, hoping to things improve a, a light down the tunnel down after, once we get more, more things opening up later this year. Enough on the COVID. More speaking on a positive note. And Plus, more, you don't have seven beers, so and, let's move yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not that many drinks through yet. Uh, so, uh, Joe, as you are a true daily grinder, can you walk us through your daily grind in the day of the life of of Joe? Okay, Kelly, I'm going to take you on publicly right now. The daily grind. Think about that. I don't like the words. <laughs> I love you to death, but I don't like the. So what if, Kelly, mm -hmm. we change the name of your podcast from The Daily Grind, because I, I grind it a lot in my life and I don't like it. What if we change <laughs> the term from Daily Grind to a Daily Flow? So when you say, Joe, tell me about your Daily Grind, I try not to grind anymore. Because <laughs> grinding, you think about it, to me it's like trying to stick a round peg in a square hole and you're grinding it, trying to get mm -hmm. it. So what if our listeners could, instead of doing a daily grind, could wake up, and I'm not trying to sound overly feely touchy, mm -hmm. but to have your day flow versus mm -hmm. grind. One word changes your whole mindset for the day. So I'm not gonna answer your question about my daily grind, but I will tell you about my daily flow, because that's mm -hmm. one of my objectives. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I think to have a daily flow, in your terms, a daily grind, and have a good daily grind, but mm -hmm. I say a flow always starts, a perfect day starts the night before. So when you say, what's a typical day? And I, I can't answer that unless I go to mm -hmm. the night before. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do the night before is kind of set my intentions for, for the day. But when I get up, I have really strict rituals. And what I call it is bookending my days. I don't care how bad your day is. If you can start the day, it, um, and doing things that put you in the right frame of mind and end your day, reviewing your day, a lot of the crap that hits us during the day just doesn't bother us. So instead of grinding through, I try mm -hmm. to live a flow and I plan my day, I try to work mm -hmm. through the day. And what's a typical day? I don't have one, every mm -hmm. day is different. But mm -hmm. here's what's the same every day. I get up every morning, we pray, we mm -hmm. meditate, I do the first sometimes, you know, I did this with Sister Camille. We talked about praying and meditating and connecting mm -hmm. in the morning. I always said, how long do you do this for, Sister? And her answer, and I think it's brilliant, 
until you're ready to say yes to the day. So many times I wake up at 3.45 in the morning. And people say, what do you do? Well, I used to write in the morning or I used to take bullet points. I've said I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot of prayer, meditation. I try to eat healthy. I try to get mm-hmm. out and exercise first thing. Mm-hmm. And no matter if I do that, no matter what happens in the day, I know I'm going to be okay. Because remember, I'm flowing through the day. I'm not grinding. I'm flowing. <laughs> and then... Um, you know, I do a lot of different things. I sit on a lot of boards. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of board work. I do a lot of speaking, mm-hmm. do a lot of coaching. Mm-hmm. And you asked earlier about the coaching. What really happened is after I would speak, many times the president or someone in the company would say, do you do coaching? I said, I do, but I'm really expensive. And so mm-hmm. I, I coach half dozen CEOs and executives. Mm-hmm. And I'm not into this group coaching of 250 people because I just don't think you can connect. You know, I do podcasts and those type of things to connect with broad audiences, but I do do a lot of coaching. And so as I work through the day, you know, I've got certain rituals that I do during the day. I try to take breaks a lot. People say, oh, I worked for 12 hours today. All the studies on work have shown, Kelly, that you should really work in 30-minute spurts. So I might do something for 30 or 40 minutes, mm-hmm. take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have rituals. It's beautiful in Milwaukee right now. I never have lunch with people. People say, do you want to have lunch next Tuesday? I said, I want to have lunch with you, but why don't we go for an hour walk? Bring your, mm-hmm. So I call it fit working, your network and, mm-hmm. and do fitness yeah. and fitness at the same time. But I think the key thing that, and, and I, I speak on this too, I actually put it in two books, uh, Moving the Needle, and I just mentioned it again in Sister Camille's book, mm-hmm. is before I go to bed at night, I journal every night. Someone told me to do that about 12 years ago, and I said, I'm not a writer. What do you write about? What do you so I did gratitude journals for a mm-hmm. long time, and that mm-hmm. just became kind of too monotonous. So what I've done is I've developed eight questions. I say seven, seven or eight questions that I ask myself every night before I go to sleep. And I've done it for 10 years, 10, 12 years. And if your listeners want to change your life, I would recommend doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, first, que- and I'll, I'll give you the eight questions. First mm-hmm. question is this. What did I, uh, no, what was the best thing that happened today? What was the best thing that happened? So it forces you to reflect on your day, because I'm thinking right now, Kelly, is this the best thing that happened? Kelly's pretty cool. This is a fun podcast. And here's what happens. I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. And a lot of times, I, I do this three or four times a day. Is this the best thing today? We're swimming at elite. It's beautiful out. Is this the best thing? Is this podcast? But I just write one thing. Second thing is, what did I do today to live my ideal day? And you can't answer that question and then until you've done an exercise from chapter six at Moving the Needle, mm-hmm. how to create your ideal day. Mm-hmm. And it's really finding one thing that inspires you, that moves you, that makes you feel absolutely fantastic. Mine is usually exercise or it's prayer and meditation in the morning. Mm-hmm. Third question is, what am I most grateful for? And, you know, there, I could talk for an hour on the value of gratitude in your life, but it, that is so critical. Number mm-hmm. four, what's new, one new thing I learned today? And I kind of joke, I use a lot of self-deprecation because most speakers and coaches want to tell you they've got all the answers. I always say I, I'm just not that smart. So I figure if I write down one thing I learned for 365 days, I'd get a little smarter every year. Uh, The fifth thing is, what did I do today to create value for my family and Mm -hmm. other people? 
Um, and that could be speaking, coaching. Uh, question number six, how, do, how did I allow God or a higher power to work through me today? And then um, number seven, I just added, what did I do today to create a belly laugh for myself and others? And the value of humor is so critical in our lives, especially today. Mm -hmm. And then the eighth question is probably the most important question. What am I most looking forward to tomorrow? And what that does, it forces you to set up the day the night before. Mm -hmm. Like last night, I said, okay, I've got Kelly tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Mm -hmm. She sent me some interview topic questions. Mm -hmm. So I walked through those. I thought about them. Mm -hmm. um, and some days when I think I've got really struggling meetings, I'll try to bless the meeting the night before. And since I've done that, I've had very few tough meetings. I used to have them all the time. So mm -hmm. those are the things I do yeah. to create a daily flow not a daily grind um, daily flow so for all you listeners if you hear that the show has been changed from the daily grind <laughs> to the daily flow you know where that came from <laughs> <laughs> oh wow thank you thank you joe this is this is very you're so are you flowing or you're grinding right now kelly we'll think about it we'll think about it. <laughs> hopefully i created a belly laugh and in, in <laughs> answering that question for me to to journal later today but uh really great insights from joe there talking about his daily flow if you haven't written it all down we'll we'll get his eight questions in our show notes for today's episode as always joe we talked about your daily flow so what's Ooh. what's on your what's on your flow uh upcoming later this year Ooh. I think I mentioned to you before, there's three things mm -hmm. that you should never tell people. <laughs> How much money you make, secrets of your love life, and what's next, what's coming next. Mm -hmm. But no, I, um, mm -hmm. I'm actually really uh, excited to, to uh, finish 2020, get out of this mm -hmm. corona-ass virus mm -hmm. crap. And, um, but I, I'm really looking forward to coming out of this thing and I'm, I'm trying to practice what I preach is reach out every day try to help people mm -hmm. um, and I think we have a sense of darkness and if you can bring some light some insight to someone while they're going through these uh, challenging times um, I think when we come out of this I do believe economically and relationship wise we're going to come out much stronger it's it's hard to um, say that when you're going through it it's like I think telling a woman when she's having a baby oh don't worry it'll be over soon and I think the whole thing about pain and suffering, we can all endure a lot of pain and suffering and, mm -hmm. and uncertainty as long as we know it's going to end. And sometimes we don't know when this is going to end. And it might end in Georgia different than your place in Chicago versus mm -hmm. New York. Mm -hmm. So I just don't think a lot of people know when it's going to end. And the uncertainty and isolation, I think, is killing people. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing before. Mm -hmm. um, try to provide service and help for other people, mm -hmm. um, try to help people move the needle um, mm -hmm. by understanding that networking is a contact sport, mm -hmm. two plugs for a book. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I'm, I get up and I'm excited every day. Mm -hmm. I love what I do, I love who mm -hmm. I hang with, um, mm -hmm. love where I go to work. Mm -hmm. And um, but keep in mind, it took me a long time. It took me 50 years to figure it out. But again, I told you I'm not that smart. It takes me a mm -hmm. little bit longer than other people. Hey, we mentioned earlier off air, you're not that old either. So 50 doesn't seem like a stretch at all. I'm a little bit older than that. <laughs> well, actually, listen, 50 is the new 30. Mm -hmm. So I just turned in those terms. I just turned 42. So you can do the math. <laughs>
Nice. Like it. So, Joe, do you have a word of the day to move our listeners out there as well? Well, I don't think I have a word of the day. What I have, when I start the day, I write out, I always put at the top, what's my thought of the day? And I think that the thought that I've, the thought or the phrase I've used the most is from one of my favorite people, John Wooden. I have it on my screensaver and my computer. I have it on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it, uh, oh, you see it right up there. See that? Mm-hmm. Yep, I have a yep. picture up there. John Wooden's quote, and this is usually my, my thought for the day. And I usually do this at the end of the day, but it reminds me to do this when I wake up. But John Wooden said, you haven't lived a perfect day until you've done something for another person who can never repay you. I just think those are great words to live by. Mm-hmm. And what it really does, too, it takes you outside yourself. And I know this is hard for a lot of us in this country to realize that we're not the center of the universe. Copernicus was right. We're not the center of the universe. But I think most of us do. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think one of the big things that where it's grown into a monster is this thing called Facebook. I think they call it Facebook. I call it <laughs> Facebook. Mm-hmm. We want to tell everyone, look at me. And I guess I'm not a hypocrite. I'm on Facebook. I get mm-hmm. it. I'm trying to promote my books through that. Mm-hmm. But to think that you're the center of the universe. And I think the quote from John Wooden immediately takes you out of that mindset that I'm the center of the universe and that there are people that are, um, need encouragement, need help. And it's part of our roles as good ambassadors to life mm-hmm. to help people who can never repay us. So that's kind of the, one of the uh, words I use for the day. Very, very nice. Very inspirational. Overall inspirational special guest on our show. I could describe you with multiple words in, in addition to being a daily flower out there. Um, you, so let sounds, me ask you, what's your biggest takeaway from this interview? Not my turn to interview you. Biggest takeaway um, from this interview, uh, Joe, very, very deep question, but I love I love the reversal roles here. I would say I would say networking. You go outside your comfort zone. I think do something that you that you want to do be passionate about yourself and i think just what you've talked about earlier on this episode uh you want to you want to achieve what what you're looking to do down the road leave a legacy what what do you want to be known as or in a sense of that sounds too cookie cutter ish but what you want to get personally out of your life and that happens each and every day you know how you do that though i wrote this in the book after further review um and it's really about how to create a great life and this is an exercise for your listeners Have your listeners tonight, I end a lot of my talks this way, I call it the rocking chair test. Go to the end of your life. Pretend you're 94 years old, you're sitting in a nursing home in a rocking chair, in your depends, reflecting (laughs) on your life, and ask yourself this question. What would my life look like if it really turned out great? I get to tell you, Kelly, that's a hard question. I've thought about it a lot. In fact, I did a retreat once on that very question. What would your life look like if it really turned out great? Then go to go from that period to you at 26, 27, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and say, okay, I kind of have a mindset of what I want my life to look like. What do I have to do in the next 12 months, the next three years, five years, 10 years to get there? And that's, again, something we don't talk about at the cocktail parties. I mean, I brought it up at cocktail parties and people look at me and said, how's your potassium level, Sweeney? Are you a... <laughs> so, so a lot of things that I think we talked about here and mm-hmm. I've written in the books mm-hmm. are not things that a lot of people talk about daily, but I think we all yearn for it inside. And 
maybe I'm a whack job, but I've yearned for these things my whole life. But I think a lot of us as human beings long for that. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want to love and be loved. We want to um, belong to something bigger than ourselves. And we want to know that our life has meaning and we've made a difference. Those are the really big things in life that, again, we don't talk about. And I'm grateful that you and mm-hmm. I are having this talk that mm-hmm. maybe we can share some of this with mm-hmm. others. And mm-hmm. by the way, my, potass- my potassium level is quite fine. <laughs> stay, stay hydrated okay. stay <laughs> potassium. really great uh quote build off from john Moon in regards to also i, I love the our our last uh closing that we had this discussion super motivational and more to come i guess last but not least uh joe our listeners if they want to follow your story learn more about your story how 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 can they do so just go to joeswinney.com our website and um Anything you need to know, um, not anything, but most things you need to know about me are on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty much an open book, as you can tell. I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. I kind of have this philosophy, those skeletons that people say keep in the closet. I try to bring them out and dance with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Joe. We'll put his contact info in today's show notes. As always, a big thank you for Joe to being on our podcast today. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Ways to find the Daily Grind. Follow us on Instagram at KJF Daily Grind and on Facebook as well. Check out our website at www.kjfwi.org. Feel free to follow your host, Kelly Fast, here on Instagram at Kelly J. Lefty or on Twitter at Kelly J. Lefty as well. My name is Kelly Johnson and have a great day. One last thing, go Wilson Sporting Goods. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. All right, thanks. Great being with you, Carol. This is great.